21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. So this is the very first recording of the Gardens Elementary School Insightful Classroom Series. And uh, I'm really happy to be sharing the amazing work that's going on here at the school in regards to teacher practice. So each week, as I said in the intro, um, I'm going to have a conversation with a teacher here, and they're going to talk about something that's been really working in their class well or an approach they're using Whatever it is, it's going to um, be really great to hear their story and what they're trying to achieve. So today I have my friend Adam, and just a little bit of backstory into Adam. Adam is from Toronto, and one of those small world coincidences, Adam actually knows my wife Neela's brother in Toronto. And when we found that mm-hmm. out, it was pretty amazing, eh, Adam? Yeah, this is a small world. Yeah, so thank you for being on the show. Okay, well, thanks for having me. And uh, why don't you just give people a little bit of backstory into who you are and, and your journey? Sure, okay. So um, I guess uh, my journey as an educator began in 2005 when um, I moved to the Czech Republic with my now wife, Rina. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we moved on to Korea, and spent a few years there just teaching um, EAL, I guess, yeah. and then decided to to get into it for real. So mm-hmm. we went to the University of Ottawa. We got our Bachelor's of Education and just kind of lucked into a position at this awesome school in Angola mm-hmm. called uh, Luanda International a well-known School. Well-known school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we really learned a lot there because we were surrounded by some really great teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say in particular, my last three years there, I was working with um, these two awesome ladies named uh, Mags Faber and Claude L. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things I think that I'm, I'm doing with my class this year and last year, I've kind of like picked up from them. Right. So they were kind of mentors to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's possible even that I didn't realize how great... Uh, the things that they were doing were at the time. Mm-hmm. But now upon reflection, then I'm kind of like pillaging all their ideas. I'm seeing how effective it is and how much the students uh, like appreciate this, yeah, this kind I, of approach. And I think it's that idea that, that true mentorship allows you to not only learn from those people, but also to then take their ideas. And there's a great book called Steal Like an Artist from mm-hmm. Austin Kleon, a bestseller. And the premise of of his work and and what he talks about is that idea that you steal, you give credit just like you did, but then you tweak and modify so it becomes your own. So you are an artist in your own way. Mm -hmm. And every teacher is an artist. Mm -hmm. And that's something I firmly believe in. And I've seen the work that you've done and I, I pop into your class quite a bit. And that's the reason why I wanted to have you as the first teacher on the show uh, just to kind of honor the, the great things you're doing and to, to have you share your story with teachers. So why don't you just begin with what you're here to talk about today? Sure. Well, um, I think this is good timing for this because it being only a few weeks into this school year, um, I've been working a lot with my students on kind of developing their attitudes towards learning uh, before we actually 
jump into the actual learning um, feet first, you know, like we're um, doing that, but at the same time kind of developing their, um, well, I, I guess I have to mention like the growth mindset right. versus a fixed mindset. And I've been doing that by sharing all the information that I can get with them. So showing them videos. And um, if you if you Google it, you're going to find a ton of quotes about the growth mindset. Yeah. So I've just been showing them the quotes, giving them to uh, have discussions about them and right. say like, you know, how does this apply to things that you've done in the past? You know, like really accessible things, um, like learning how to walk, yeah. for example, which is one that's of interest to me because I have a two-year-old mm -hmm. and it's neat to see how she is naturally kind of going through these processes. And yeah. I don't know if there's many people who just kind of give up on learning how to walk, but it seems like the majority of my students have gone through that process. Built, built in resilience. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And just, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I think of Ken Robinson, you know, mm -hmm. Sir Ken Robinson. Mm -hmm. And he did this great Ted talk on death Valley. And he talks about death Valley in California and how it's for nine years received no rainfall whatsoever, mm -hmm. arid dry. And then all of a sudden there was a torrential downpour for three days and death Valley was flooded for the first time in 50 years. And then the water obviously just absorbs away and it becomes what it is again. But within three or four months after that rainfall, flowers sprouted up for the first time in Death Valley. And he used this as a metaphor to basically emphasize that as educators, we are here to create the conditions for young people to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about is you're not going to jump into the math right away. You're not going to jump into the, to the heavy cognitive lifting right away without first creating the conditions to thrive. And that's how you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Through this. So take us more into the specific series of lessons that you did sure. to promote mindset. Well, actually, it's, it's very interesting that you say that and, uh, that we have a pretty great example that I'm on a large team of teachers and we all kind of designed a bunch of these rich uh, math tasks for the students to work on in the first two weeks. And um, I guess a few of them tried these without front loading all of the growth mindset uh, messages yeah. and didn't, they felt like they didn't have a huge amount of success. In fact, I because the I kids think, experience difficulty and failure straight away. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think there might have even been a bit of crying involved. Yeah. And this, I heard this and said, oh, well, that's uh, actually great to know because I was thinking about doing that very same problem that afternoon. And I pushed back a little bit and said, so just sit, I don't talk want a little bit about them. the task. Yeah, so sure. the math task was designed to, to do what? To give them a sense of challenge. Okay. I'm not sure what the background was exactly. Right. But I wanted to give them that idea that. I am going to be challenging them, and it's not because I dislike uh, people. It's or uh, yeah, you know, like you're just students, trying but, to challenge them. Yeah, to push them. And um, this this first problem was right from the Enrich website. Yeah. And um, group task or individual? It starts it starts out individual. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance to get their ideas together, and then put them together with a partner and yeah. combine ideas and work towards this problem. And then at the end, it's important to have everybody come together and share their different journey to the end of yeah. solving this problem. Yeah. And it's very important as well to look at the mistakes that different people made and, and kind of learn from those mistakes or analyze them and say, why was that a reasonable mistake to make? And 
show how it's a part of the learning process. And when I, when I came in, I came in the middle of that first lesson mm -hmm. and I just sat here for a few minutes and, and, uh, I took a picture of the quote that you used, uh, that I can't think of right now. It's from Carol Dweck. Um, but do you remember the, oh, it's right there. Yeah. So that was one of the ones Can that you I read had that? been doing. Can you read that? Yeah. I was, I gave that to a group to discuss and explain to the rest yeah. of the class. So this one says, it's not always people who start out the smartest who end up the smartest. Bingo. And I came in as the groups were presenting their thinking behind that, you know, and it was just whatever they thought they were sharing in groups. And the whole class was sitting quietly, respectfully listening. Um, and it was really cool to hear grade three students who are essentially grade two because they just mm -hmm. came up from grade two. Mm -hmm. um, so very young grade threes already having a discussion about this. And it's, I think, a, a real lesson for teachers listening to understand that, as I said before, before the cognitive lifting to create the conditions for them to thrive. Yeah, so, absolutely. so that was the first lesson and, and take us into what you learned from this and, and what your next steps were before getting into the math. Yeah, sure. So following on from that, after they had been through the first challenge and then discussed how they felt afterwards and how some of them felt uncomfortable sharing the mistakes that they'd made, but we're kind of building positivity around that. Mm -hmm. So people are appreciative of others making mistakes and we're kind of celebrating that. Yeah. Um, and then the follow-up from that was to start looking into this concept of the learning pit and having them yeah, making their, their own illustrations of that and kind of like applying it to certain areas that are close to them. So explain what the learning pit is. Okay, so I think um, it is... It's this concept, I think it's credited to a guy named James Nottingham okay. uh, from the 90s. He, he kind of used this to encourage like, uh, the idea of pushing through challenges and resilience and having a growth mindset. And made it visual. Yes, exactly. Right? So, so it's so very accessible it. to, I know that people are using it in grade one. Yeah. And I used it with students in grade five. So yeah. Describe very, what that visual looks like. So it's basically a... Um, I don't know, like it looks like often it has a person standing on the edge of this pit and then uh, you go down into the pit and my students have been drawing them with like spikes and bumps and different mm -hmm. obstacles. Yeah, yeah. Someone drew one with like a, a mean looking person in the bottom who yeah. was kind of like holding them down at the yeah. bottom of the pit. And Which is sometimes within themselves. Yeah, it's great, yeah, because yeah. They're, they're like explaining why they put all these different elements into their own illustrations. Yeah. And then at the at the other side... Um, you have a person standing on the top, often with their hands in the air, celebrating that they climbed out of the pit. Mm -hmm. And um, this year, my students started adding some new elements to their illustrations. Like the other side of the pit is a little bit higher mm -hmm. from where they began. It kind of signifies that there has been some sort of growth mm -hmm. in crossing through that pit. And a few of them added a bridge, and they called it the Cheater's Bridge. And uh, sure because we'd been discussing yeah. about this idea of the didactic contract that Joe Bowler talks about in that uh, How to Learn Math for Teachers course. And um, that idea is uh, somebody kind of compared it to tying your shoes. And if you don't know how to tie your shoes yet, and one of your parents does it for you all the time, you're never going to learn. So that's kind of the, the cheater's bridge way to the other side of the yeah. learning pit. It's kind of that... Um it really bothers me to see these life hacks. 
I mean, some of them are really valuable because they save time. But when it comes to learning, there are no hacks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that idea like the learning pit. And from what I saw last year when your kids drew their learning pits, you know, it's up and down, up and down, up and down before you achieve that ultimate success. But then that ultimate success is not a final product. It's just another step in their journey of learning that reinforces that um, growth mindset thinking and understanding that um, a fixed mindset is a part of, of their journey, but having that uh, conversation with themselves to understand why that fixed mindset voice is <clears throat> kind of holding them back. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's just great to, to build this awareness right from the very beginning. Yeah. So what's your advice to teachers, regardless of subject area or administrators listening who um, might struggle with the justification of taking two classes out of an important unit to establish mindset like this? And how can they take those first steps to really em- uh, embed it within their the units that they teach or the, the you know their teaching in general? I suppose it follows along the same line of any teacher who realizes the value in taking the time to build the relationships and the culture within a classroom before you just get going because maybe you feel like you don't have enough time for that. Um, it's, it's an extension of that, right? That before you expect students to start challenging themselves, they have to be primed and ready and even receptive Mm -hmm. and demanding of that and saying, look, you're, you're not providing us with enough challenges. So I would say it's definitely worth the time because your students are going to benefit a lot more from that in the what can springboard from that seeing as you've done that in the first week is that that's probably a part of the essential agreements of the classroom is that failure and and celebrating failure and supporting one another becomes the the culture in your classroom and how powerful is that for students to experience day in and day out well it's funny that you say that that this is the earliest that i've started with the growth mindset um, messages and they were learning about that as we were creating the essential agreement. Mm-hmm. And the essential agreement that this group has come up with um, does mention there's a part where you're supposed to be um, challenging yourself regularly, celebrating our successes, yeah. and uh, supporting each other in yeah. reaching the goals. And that probably wouldn't have happened had you not kind of teased out that idea and co-constructed that idea with your students. So yeah, I, I love great. it. I'm going to follow it more. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show. I'm going to include your Twitter handle great. for teachers following you if they want to be in touch. And I'll include some of the visuals um, that you're creating with your students, this co-constructed journey in the show notes of the podcast. So thank you very much, Adam. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening to the first GES Insightful Classroom Uh, podcast series. I hope you come back next week to listen to the next one. So as a follow-up to Adam's podcast today with me, uh, I've asked John Davidson, the PYP coordinator here at Gardens Elementary School, to sit in with me each episode to kind of just have a short reflection on what we heard, uh, I guess, in an effort to further school improvement here to uh, identify good teaching practice, to discuss it, to learn from it, and to share it. So, uh, John, why don't you begin with your thoughts about uh, Adam's discussion today? Yeah, it was an interesting excerpt that. I mean, we, we've both been into his classroom, we've seen this in practice, but I, I like the way that he 
before he even underwent with the unit of inquiry, before he did anything, it was priming the kids ready to learn. And it's that idea of failure isn't something to be ashamed of, it's something you, you learn from. And I made the connection with another class I was in yesterday, where the final plenary session was with this teacher. She got all the kids together, she had one minute, she goes, okay, who had an epic fail today? And half a dozen hands went up, because they are in that mindset where a fail isn't a fail, it's a learning opportunity. And I can see the same happening in Adam's class. Yeah, and just a chance to to use that failure to move forward and learn. And for me, I guess it's, as I said in the podcast, it's... um, creating conditions for students to thrive mm-hmm. in, in everything that they do. And it's not just about delivering content and curriculum and uh, being stuck in a mindset that thinks you just have to go into automatic delivery all the time, but to step back and to create those conditions uh, that allow your, your students to thrive and to know that failure is to be celebrated and failure is to be um kind of discussed in order to move forward and and to learn from one another and Mm -hmm. i think adam really Mm -hmm. embodies that in the work that he does uh which is why we wanted to share yeah you know know, we, we we talk a lot about growth mindset but this was totally avert this was this is growth mindset kids let's dig into it let's not expecting to catch growth mindset like it's through osmosis or something it yeah. was there, and it was totally in front of the kids. Yeah, and I think that was reinforced with Adam. I liked he, uh, what he did with um, I, the the dip, you know, yeah, the the, the, di- the learning mm-hmm. pit exactly, mm-hmm. and letting each child visually draw out what they feel their learning pit looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to hear what some of the kids came up with when they were drawing the the dip part, the lowest mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's that mean voice or maybe it's bumps or shards of glass or something, but it, mm-hmm. it uh, is a metaphor for the struggles that they will experience and, and uh, maybe their own inner voice, overcoming their own inner voice, which might create doubt in their mind sometimes with their abilities, but to know that they're always going to pull out of it and learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also like the reference to the, the Cheats Bridge. And that, you know, how many times have been in our lives we thought, well, I'll just take that shortcut, but I won't take on responsibility for actually learning how to do this myself. Yeah. That was an interesting insight. Yeah. So, uh, again, just to, uh, this is our first episode, so this will be a pattern. We're going to have a teacher on each week to share their practice, uh, something they're proud of, something they're working on developing in their teaching practice. And then John and I will, will do a reflection from from our own perspectives uh, based upon the roles and responsibilities that we have here at Gardens Elementary School. So everybody, thank you very much for listening to our first GES Insightful Classroom uh, teaching series, and we hope you come back to listen to next week's with Brad Trainer. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bass. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.